like a national champion. They're definitely real. I think I make too much money to have fake ones, so you know, these are real. <laughs> Talking to Brandon as he was going out to kick. Get a little warm-up swing and he said, Ah, oh, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship right before he went out there to kick it. Yeah, I mean, usually when you lose a coin flip to those guys, you're going home. But, you know, our defense really stepped up and made plays in the second half. And on offense, we made plays when we had to. So I eat a caramel apple supper before every game on the bus. And then I always wear one sock inside out and the other one right side in. Oh, no. Uh, I just think they're pretty cool. What do you think? Ah, uh, Joey. Joey Schmoney. The last chance for us, truly. Truly the last chance. But before we get into Joe Schmoney, I just want to give my thoughts on the Pro Bowl real fast. So, yeah, those are pretty much my thoughts on the Pro Bowl. I didn't really think much about it because I didn't watch it because it was boring. I turned it on for about two seconds, and yeah, that's about all I watch of it. So that concludes my thoughts on the Pro Bowl. Uh, here are my thoughts on Michigan State basketball this weekend. Yeah, those are pretty much my thoughts on Michigan State basketball this weekend after they forgot that they had a game against Rutgers and didn't show up on the court. Uh, let me give a little bit of a thought towards uh, Iowa State basketball against Texas. Yeah, that's pretty much everything that I think about the Iowa State-Texas game. There wasn't really much to talk about with that game because it was a terrible game. Iowa State still doesn't know how to score offensive points. And, you know, they have a decent defense, but when you average 32 points a game, it's kind of hard to win. Oh, oh, I also want to give my thoughts on North Carolina's performance in the biggest game of the season with their arch rival coming into town with their coach having his last game in Chapel Hill. Let me give a couple of thoughts about how UNC played against Duke on Saturday. Yeah, that's pretty much all I think about how UNC played against Duke on Saturday. They lost by 20. They were down 30 about halfway through the first half. And there were just, you know, there's not much to talk about with that game. UNC didn't show up, so why should I show up to talk about them? Oh, let me give my thoughts again. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. My last thing, the last kind of, you know, sidetrack thing before I get into what I really want to do today. Let's give a little bit. North, so North Dakota had a, a, a hockey series this weekend, a home hockey series against... Omaha. And they showed up Friday. They played a nice game. They won 4-1. to Let me give my thoughts really fast on how the game went Saturday. Yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on how the game went Saturday. They didn't really show up. They showed up for the first period and a half. Then nothing happened. And then Omaha scored three straight goals and they lost in overtime and split a series that they had no business splitting. They should have swept Omaha. And yeah, that's, those are my thoughts on uh, the sports events of the weekend. And then obviously there, there's more than that, but they didn't show up. So they don't show up. I don't show up. But you want to know who does show up? Joe Schmoney. Joe Schmoney shows up to everything, everywhere. He's always around. He is, um, what's that word? Um, omnipresent, omnipresent, I believe is the correct word for that. Joe Schmoney is everywhere. He is in the dreams of his fans and the nightmares of his enemies. So the main thing that I want to do today on this Super Bowl preview sort of why Cincinnati is going to win and why Matthew Stafford can't win. The, the main thing that I want to talk about today is breaking down Aaron Glenn coming back to the Lions. 
I'm kidding. That's not what's happening. But Aaron Glenn is coming back to the Lions. So all you Lion fans out there that were that were just sweating, absolutely terrified that Aaron Glenn was going to end up in New Orleans, congratulations. He's not. The defensive coordinator, also known interim head coach of New Orleans, is going to be the actual coach of New Orleans. And now Green Bay hired Rich Pisaccia as their special teams coordinator when Pisaccia took a team as interim head coach to the wild card round. Anyways, I, this is, and Brian Flores, oh, Alvin Kamara is going to be in jail for five years. <laughs> it's, man, this is, everything, everything is everywhere, but this is Super Bowl time. This is Super Bowl week. The, the, the coaching carousel, fun breakdown, everything awesomeness is going to happen probably next week. We'll hopefully get a little bit more news. There's been a lot going on and I'm just going to do like coaching carousel roundtable next week but in the meantime joe schmoney has one more game left to play our hero joe schmoney can be the savior of detroit if he beats matthew stafford and if he puts an and if he just demolishes matthew stafford he can do it he can help us so so for super bowl sunday well super bowl tuesday as i as i record this i would like to go over a power ranking of Joe Schmoney's performances this season. Top to bottom, every game up through the AFC Championship, power ranking them to just give a nice recap of our hero season. Our last hero, the man that Brady left everything to for us. For Lion fans, Brady left it to Burrow because he knew that the Niners weren't going to beat the Rams. It was just, it was unfortunate that it had to happen that way. But when Brady retired, he left everything to Burrow, hence the title of last week's episode. But now it is all, it's all come full circle. Burrow is our final hero. He is our final chance as Detroit Lion fans. And I'm not even talking about the Lion fans that root for Stafford. I'm talking about the Lion fans that understand why Stafford can't win. What will happen to the city if Stafford wins? So, Burrow is our lost hero, a hero we didn't know that we needed, a hero we didn't even know what we had, a hero we have not had to rely on until now, until this very moment. So now the time has come to look back at Burrow season, to look back at our famed hero season and say, look, where did he do good? Where did he do bad? So let's take a look. Let's take a look at Schmoney's season real fast. We've got so he played. He played in a total. Here's my power ranking. If you can hear the paper rustling around everywhere, he played in 19 games this season. So obviously Cincinnati had their bye week, and then Joe Schmoney didn't play Week 18 against Cleveland because the game didn't matter. They'd already clinched. They were already good to go. The game didn't matter. Schmoney didn't play because why risk him? His why risk having his knee explode again? All right. So. We're just going to start at number 19. We're going to work ourselves all the way up to number one. This isn't going to be an hour of breaking down every Joe Burrow performance. This is just going to be taking a look at what he did over the course of the season. Did he get better as the course of the season went on? Did he start good, slump, and then get good again? How did it look? What did our hero season look like? And what can we expect from this Super Bowl? What can Schmoney do? to win the Super Bowl and dethrone Matthew Stafford and take him off of this amazing just pedestal that he's been lifting on. Take the white girls off the elevated surfaces. Take Stafford off of the top. Stafford cannot be there. He, it just, it can't happen. 
for Detroit. It can't happen for me. I will I will be somewhere in rural Saskatchewan if Stafford wins a Super Bowl and I will not be found. I will <laughs> I will not be on the face of the earth. I will be unfindable. I'll be like Obi-Wan in his retreat to Tatooine. I will not be here. So let's let's just get right into this then. His worst, if you followed Burrow, I guess, this season, you'll kind of already know what this one's going to be. But number 19 was November 7th against Cleveland. And they had a home game against Cleveland. They lost 41 to 16. They got, they got smashed by Cleveland. Cleveland's back was against the wall. And, and Joe Schmoney still went 28 for 40, 282 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and he had a, he had a 69 passer rating. So in in his worst performance, he gets a 69 passer rating. And I didn't just rank this by passer rating. I ranked this, you know, what team was he playing against? Was it a good or a bad team? How many yards did he throw for? Touchdowns, interceptions, completion rate. Like there there, there was a lot for me to take in. And, and I'm sure there will be disagreements on what did he play better in this game than this game. And, and I'm not here to have those arguments because in the end, it really, it doesn't matter. Because Schmoney is in the Super Bowl. And I did, this is, this is honestly more of just take a look at what he's done as opposed to like actually which games did he play best and worst in and like nitpicking the game against Denver compared to the game against the Jets. Like who cares? Like let's just admire our hero. Let's look what he's done to get up to this point in a fun power ranking. So number 19, like we said, it was the game against Cleveland that was Cincinnati's worst game of the season. And, you know, coincidentally, it also happened to be Joe Schmoney's worst game of the season. Number 18 is going to be the game at Chicago, which they lost 20 to 17. And if you lose to Chicago, like the Lions, it, the game automatically just gets devalued. And if you, when you lose to Chicago like that, your quarterback can't play a good game. Even, even if it's a decent game, he could play, you know what? He could play great. I'll rephrase that. He could play great. But if you lose to Chicago, it's automatically one of the worst games of the season. Because Chicago was, Chicago was on fire all season long. In a bad way. Not in a good way. Chicago was on fire in a bad way. So he went, he went 19 for 30, 207 yards, two touchdowns, but he had three picks this game. And, and whatever it was about Chicago that Schmoney didn't like, maybe it was Soldier Field, maybe it was, Honestly, I don't know. Chicago wasn't good. But, but Joey Schmoney had a tough game. And this was also, it's important to note that I, this was like week two, I think. So they had beat Minnesota in overtime in week one. And then they went to Chicago week two and they lost. But, so obviously this is the start of Cincinnati's season and they went last season. They finished last in the division, and they're they're one and one. They have this crazy game against Minnesota, who people don't know if they're going to be good, and then they lose to Chicago in a game where obviously people thought Chicago was not going to be good this season. So there's like there's doubt right now with Cincinnati. I mean, there was even doubt when they were going into the wild card, but you know, Schmoney was coming off the ACL, and he he didn't he he looked okay in week one. We'll get to that game later, and but then in week two. He's just three interceptions, not a good passer rating. They lose to a bad team, and people are starting to think, "Oh man, we really we we love Bro. We hope this is the guy, but he does he did not look good." So number seventeen, December fifth, against the L.A. Chargers, a game that they lost forty-one to twenty-two, and Joey Schmoney went twenty-four for forty, 
300 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions with a 70.8 passer rating. So with with this game, I think it's it's tough because he still threw for 300 yards, but but the team got killed, and not all of that's on Burrow. But again, it's a team effort. It's not one person that wins or loses the game. Now, I have to take Joe Burrow's performance and see how it benefits or doesn't benefit the team. And what I'm saying here is, is if a team loses by 19 points, some of that goes on your quarterback regardless. So did he throw for 300 yards? Yes. Did he go 24 for 40? Yes, which is 12 for 20, which is 6 for, that's 60%. At 60% passer rating, all right? So, or pass completion rate. So, I mean, with this game, it was just more like he threw two picks. He played a nice, okay game, but the team lost by 20 points. And that's, that's just not something that, that you want to, obviously. That's not something that you want to happen when, especially in week, I mean, this was, this was in December. So they were trying to make a playoff push and then they get smacked by the Chargers like that. And Herbert, and Herbert and the Chargers are obviously still playing for a wild card before they screwed it up against Vegas. But so that, that one, that one was a tough game in a big spot. Number 16 is going to be October 10th at home against Green Bay in a game that they lost 25 to 22 in overtime. He went 26 for 38, 281 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions with an 85.5 pass rating. And you're going to notice that the games that I have him at the bottom compared to games at the top, he, he throws interceptions in the games that are at the bottom, right? Joe Schmoney has been very consistent with protecting the ball. But they're just these random games where he throws two or three interceptions and the and the team just loses. You know, it's obviously when 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 Joe Burrow throws two interceptions against Green Bay and they lose 25-22 in overtime, the game isn't completely on our hero. Our hero didn't lose the game. But he didn't he wasn't actively helping them win the game. It, Joe Burrow wasn't he couldn't win the game for his team. And that's okay because obviously he's a second year quarterback. But again, it, it just, this just hurts. It hurts me because he is our hero. And just when you look at a game like this, a super close game and your quarterback, your hero quarterback throws two interceptions, it's, it's not easy. So we'll, we'll just move on from that game. Number 15 is going to be November 21st against Vegas. This is the first game on the list in which they won. Right, so we had the the four the four games before the Bengals all lost, and this game against Vegas they won. They won thirty two thirteen. They killed Vegas. Oh my gosh, how are you putting a Joe Burrow performance this low when they won by twenty points? When you just put a game before it low because they lost by twenty points? How does that work? Well, Burrow didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do anything to help them win the game. He went 20 for 29, 148 yards, one touchdown, and no interceptions. He didn't have to do anything, and I'm not faulting him for that. There's nothing wrong with not having to do anything to win your team a game. That's just how it goes sometimes. And it wasn't a great performance by Burrow. It wasn't a bad performance. He just literally didn't do anything, which is why which is why this game finds itself here. Number 14 is going to be November 28th at home against Pittsburgh. Another game that they won by 30 points where Joe Burrow went 20 for 24, 
190 yards, one touchdown, one interception with a 96.2 passer rating. And, and the thing with this game is, is it's literally the exact same as the last one, except I gave a little bit more benefit of the doubt because they won by 30 as opposed to only winning by 20. And they did it against the Steelers. And I do not like the Steelers are probably my least favorite NFL team. And so when you beat the Steelers by 30 points and throw an interception, it's, it's like the interception kind of offsets everything. So it's like number 15 and 14 are pretty much tied in my book. So now it's like, oh, who, do, what team did he beat? Uh, he beat the, he beat the Raiders. That's a little less impressive. Oh, he beat Pittsburgh. That's more impressive for me because I don't like Pittsburgh. <laughs> so number 13 is going to be November 19th at Denver. Another game that they won 15 to 10. This game was probably the most boring game in the NFL this season. The game where Cincinnati won 15 to 10 and it was, it was just field goal festival. Burrow went 15 for 22, 157 yards, one touchdown, no interception, 103 pass rating, which is funny. But the, the thing with this game is, is it was just, it was at Denver. So I'm going to, I'm going to li- list this as a little bit more impressive because one, they were in a little bit more of a must win situation because this is December 19th and they're fighting to climb back into this. They're still fighting for the division, right? So they had beaten Pittsburgh a couple weeks before, and now they're playing at Denver in a hostile road environment. Even if Denver was bad, it's still not an easy place to play, and Burrow took care of business, and that's why this game finds itself at number 13. Number 12 is going to be Halloween against the Jets, and a game that they lost 34-31. to And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, losing to the Jets, that's automatically the worst performance of the season, and that would logically makes sense because you would assume that your quarterback has to play terrible for you to lose to the Jets but he went 21 for 34 259 yards three touchdowns one interception and a 102.5 pass rating and so it this is this is unfortunate because he played well but they lose to the Jets if they win the Jets they if they beat the Jets this game's probably slightly higher I wouldn't value the the game as much more just because they it's the Jets. I'm not going to say, oh my gosh, what a great game. You beat the Jets. It, it, this is just more of, it, it finds itself kind of in this, like, not a bad game, but not a good game either because he lost the Jets. Now, if he has the stat line and it's a win against any other team, it's a it's a good game. It's a nice game. But right now, it's just like, eh, you played, oh, you played nice, but your team lost to the Jets. So it devalues everything that you did on the field, which is why the game finds itself here. Did he throw for 250 yards? Yes. Did he throw for three touchdowns? Yes. Did he throw a pick? Yes. So the the only reason that this game finds itself higher than the three games before where he did literally nothing is just because he he did stuff in this game. The team lost, and overall, I would say Burrow performed better against the Jets than he did against Vegas, Pittsburgh, and Denver because he actually needed to do stuff. He just couldn't win. He couldn't win the shootout this time. And that was that was the wasn't that the Mike White resurrection or something? Like wasn't that the game where Mike White showed showed himself to everyone and and it would he got that one Madden card for it? Like, I think that was the Mike White game, I'm pretty sure. So so number eleven is gonna be the game at Pittsburgh. Right, so we talked about the game at home against Pittsburgh where they won by 30. This one was a little bit more impressive because they went to Pittsburgh. They still won by two scores. Burrow went 14 for 18, 172 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he had 122.9 passer rating, 
which is, you go to Pittsburgh in September. Now this is like this is a little bit earlier in the season, so this is when there's still a little bit of doubt with Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. There was zero faith in Pittsburgh, but they still go to a place where they have had trouble winning. And they go and they beat Pittsburgh by two touchdowns. Burrow looks a lot better. He only throws four incompletions the entire game. Granted, he only threw 18 passes. But he still throws for over over 10 yards per completion. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. 123 passer rating, which is, I mean, for a second-year quarterback coming off of an injury four weeks into the season, that's a great game. That's a nice game. Is it? Is it? A, I think I just said a great game. It's not, it's a good game and it's a nice game and it's what you want to see out of your quarterback. It's what you want to see out of your second year quarterback coming off an injury. You want development. And this, this showed some development, which is why it finds itself pretty much right in the middle of the pack. It was a nice game. It was a nice win. And that, that's just why it finds itself here. Number 10 is going to be October 17th, a couple weeks later, at Detroit in a game where Cincinnati won by a zillion, 34-11. Burrow went 19 for 29, 271 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and 115 passer rating. So with this game, it was it was at Detroit. Detroit was obviously terrible. They won by 23, and, and Burrow went crazy in the first half, and then he didn't need to do anything. So the reason why this game finds itself... Uh, higher than the Jets game, which they lost, was one, because they ended up beating the Lions, and two, Burrow threw for more yards in this game. The games, it's pretty much a carbon copy. I mean, between this game and the Jets game, right? In the Jets game, he threw 21 completions. In the Lions game, he threw 19. In the Jets game, 259 yards. The Lions game, 271 yards. Three touchdowns in both games, one interception in both games. It's just... When you lose to the Jets, it automatically gets devalued and it gets put down lower. And they beat the Lions and they handle the Lions, which is why this game is higher. And then number nine, you're also you're kind of going to notice a common theme with these middle middle games. They're all against bad. This is the last one where the game is against a, a genuinely bad team. But uh, number nine is going to be September 30th against Jacksonville, where they won. This was a Thursday night game, and they only won by a field goal. But Burrow, Burrow realized that he was like, oh, crap, we're about to lose to Jacksonville. And, and then, then they figured it out, and then he went 25 for 32, 346 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 132.8 passer rating in a game, like I said, that they only won by a field goal. And in and, and these, these four games, well, I say these three games, the Jets, Lions, and Jags games are just games where he played well, the team won, except for the Jets game where they lost. And it's just it's just a middle-of-the-road game. And obviously the white Jet, the Jets game is so far low was because they lost. But but with with the Lions and the Jags, the games are are pretty much the same, except for the fact that Joe Burrow needed to come out in a clutch moment against the Jags. Joe Burrow needed to make a play at the end of the he Joe Burrow needed to win the game for his team and he did and Jacksonville also screwed it up at the end but you know take advantage of it you won the game Buffalo Cincinnati won the game and that's why that's why this game is a little bit higher than the Detroit game just because there was more pressure and Joe Burrow even though it was against a bad team Burrow still needed to make a play in pressure and this is also earlier in the season where Cincinnati's trying to prove themselves so if you lose the if you lose the Jacksonville, that definitely doesn't help your case. And it's also in a tight AFC North. You lose that game, that's going to be a big problem for the future of the division. So number eight is going to be the home game that they played against San Francisco very late in the season. 
in a 26-23 overtime loss. This is the last game on the list that was a Cincinnati loss. They lost San Francisco in overtime by a field goal. Burrow went 25 for 34, 348 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 125 passer rating. So when you lose a game in overtime, it's a team deal. I mean, like, like, like I've been saying, you win and lose games. It's kind of what I was talking about with the overtime rules last or two weeks ago. It was like, look, you win and lose games as a team. It's not one coin flip. It's not one player. It's not one throw. It's not one dropped pass. So when you lose a game in overtime, it's, it's tough to rank the, the performance by our hero. But, but I put this game this high because it was a high quality game between two, what we found out very solid teams. The quarterback is a little bit complicated because Garoppolo wasn't that good overall and he lost the game for his team in the playoffs and Garoppolo, Garoppolo didn't lose the game for his team, but he certainly wasn't helping out very much. Garoppolo, Garoppolo had a couple uh-oh moments. But in a game that close, that late in the season, and you lose it, but Joe Burrow sh- still shows a valiant effort like that, 350 yards, two touchdowns. There's a lot There's a lot of good stuff with that. There's a lot of things to be happy for. There's a lot of, you know, respect there that goes for Burrow. And, and this was this was a game where he, he did have to duel. He did have to make plays. And in the end, it just wasn't enough. But he still played a really nice game. He threw thir- he threw the ball 34 times and completed 25 of his passes. He threw for almost 350 yards, and he still had 125 passer rating. So you can't devalue that, and you can't say it's not a good game just because they lost. This, in my opinion, was his most valiant effort in a loss, which is why the game finds itself this high up at number eight. Number seven, this one's... This one's a little bit more complicated because this is going to be the divisional game at Tennessee where he went 28 for 37, 348 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, a 93 pass rating. And they obviously they won this game 19 to 16. And this game was, this game was a snooze fest and Burrow made the plays at the end, which is why it's this high. If Burrow wouldn't have made the plays at the end that he made, if he wouldn't have been the quarterback in the second half that he was, this game would have been much lower, in my opinion. I would have had this a lot lower. But in the end, it was a super huge situation, super clutch situation, crunch time in the divisional round, and you got to go win the game for your team, and he did. And it was 19-16, to and Evan McPherson said, well, it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Burrow put his team in a position to win that game, which is why the game finds itself this high. Number six is going to be October 24th at Baltimore, where they won 41 to 17, where Burrow went 23 for 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception with 113.5 passer rating. And the interception just completely void because they still, they still won by 24 points. So, I mean, what, what, what more do you want to be said about this game? Seriously, they won by 24 points at Baltimore. Burrow threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. It, and it goes to show you his season. The fact that this game is at number six. This this performance would be m- many other NFL quarterbacks' best game of the season. Yet it finds itself here at number six. And, and, and here comes the controversy. Because number five is going to be week one against Minnesota. A 27-24 win in overtime 
where he went 20 for 27, 261 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 128 pass rating. But, bro, idiot man, why is this game higher, one game higher than the Baltimore game, where they only won by three, whereas as against Baltimore, they won by 24, Burrow threw for 160 less yards, one less touchdown, and one less interception. Well, he did have 130 passer rating in this game, as opposed to the Baltimore game, where it's 113. But this game was one of the one of the games that I ranked with context. Burrow was coming off of the torn ACL that ended his season. Cincinnati hadn't, we had no idea what Cincinnati was going to look like. We didn't really know what Minnesota was going to look like either. We thought Minnesota could be good because Minnesota always has a stupid way of winning seven or eight games every season. This time, though, with questions, not knowing what Cincinnati was going to look like, is Burrow alive? Does his knee work? Can he be protected? In a week one game against Minnesota, it was a close game that went to overtime. Burrow threw the ball 27 times. He completed 20 of his passes for over 200 yards two touchdowns, and he had 130 passer rating in his first game back, in his first regular season game, coming off of a torn ACL as a second-year quarterback against what people thought was a solid defense at the time against a Mike Zimmer coach team, formerly. So that that's why this game finds itself a little bit higher, just because of the context surrounding it. This was a huge way to open the season for Cincinnati, and the fact that they could pick up a nice win against Minnesota there, it... it it really set the table for, wow, Burrow looks really nice. He's back to the form that he seemed to take in his rookie season. And maybe if Cincinnati can keep this up and keep him protected, maybe they can start to win some more games, which is why I had the game this high up at number five. Number four is going to be the wild card game against Vegas. Again, this game is another one that I take into context. First home playoff win in 30 years, first playoff win in 30, all these different things. That were up on the shoulders of Burrow. And what does he do? He comes out, throws for 244 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and 110 passer rating. In my opinion, the Minnesota game and the Vegas game are similar. They're almost the same for me. Except the Vegas game wasn't as close. Even though Vegas had one play at the end of the game to win it or to tie, depending on. And this was the wild card game. This was a playoff game. So the only reason that this game finds itself higher than the Minnesota game is just because it was a playoff game is because Burrow had a lot more pressure on him. Burrow needed to make plays down the stretch. Now Burrow was up. Cincinnati was up by a lot and Vegas ended up coming back. Now that's obviously some of it's on Burrow for not being able to generate offense in the second half there. And then some of it's on the defense for allowing Vegas to come back. But in the end, Burrow needed to win the game. His team needed to win the game and Burrow didn't throw an interception. He didn't make any mistakes. The defense held up, and it gave Cincinnati their first playoff win in 30-whatever years. And now it you know, it left the Lions where it left the Lions. But it this was a huge game for Burrow, and it has to be a top five, in my opinion, just because of how the game resulted, because of the context surrounding the game. Burrow and his team gave Cincinnati their first playoff win in 30 years, which is why this game finds itself in number four. Number three is going to be the AFC Championship it's at Kansas City which is crazy because this is a game that sent him to the Super Bowl. He went 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Statistic-wise, this game isn't as good as, honestly, the three or four games that came before it. But this is the AFC Championship. This is a game where you need to make a comeback in the second half. This is a game where you need to make plays with your arms and your legs. 
when you come back from that deficit, when you win the AFC Championship on the road, the stat line goes out the window. As long as you win that game, that's a top three performance. If you're down like that, and as a quarterback, you need to pick yourself back up. You need to pick your team back up and win the game. You need to orchestrate a comeback. However you finish the game is irrelevant as long as you win. And the fact that they made a multi-score comeback on the road in the AFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl is the only reason that this game is at number three. Burrow made plays with his feet, made plays with his arm. His defense made a stop in overtime. He took advantage of it, put his team in field goal range. Cincinnati wins the game, and that's why the game's at number three. Number two is Week 17 against Baltimore, a, te- a game where they won 41-21 to in a very clutch situation. Cincinnati back against the wall. They had to keep winning to get a shot at that wild card. Oh, look at that. They did. Or no, that would have been Week That would have been week 17 against Baltimore. That would have been Week uh, Week 16. Excuse me, because they because he didn't play week eighteen against the against the Browns. So week sixteen against Baltimore, they won forty one to twenty one. Burrow went thirty seven for forty six, threw for five hundred and twenty five yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, hundred forty three point two pass rating. And then week week seventeen against Kansas City is going to be number one, where the game where they won thirty four thirty one. He threw for four hundred forty yards, four touchdowns, no picks. 148 passer rating, a perfect a perfect passer rating. And here's the thing with these two games. These two games are completely interchangeable, in my opinion, because one game, Burrow throws for 520 yards. The other game, Burrow throws for 446 yards. One game, it's kind of a blowout. The other game, it's not a blowout. So he had better stats in the blowout than in the close game. And the reason I put the Kansas City game higher was just because it was that close game. It was Burrow-Mahomes. It was the best, honestly, it was probably the best quarterback duel of the regular season. And then probably the best duel that we'll see in the postseason. The Stafford-Brady game was pretty good in the postseason. But but that Burrow-Mahomes game was the best game of the regular season, quarterback duel-wise. And, you know, take away everything that you want about the refs and all the calls or whatever with that game. Whatever. Just take a look at what Burrow needed to do to win that game. He needed to outduel Mahomes. He needed to play a perfect game. He needed to complete 70% of his passes, 75% of his passes, which he did. He completed over 75% of his passes. He threw for 450 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a perfect passer rating in a close game in a clutch scenario, which is why, in my opinion, this game finds itself at number one as opposed to the Baltimore game where the game was already a blowout, and Schmoney Schmoney just wanted to flex a little bit. And and I can obviously, I can understand Schmoney wanting to flex. I would want to flex too there if I was Schmoney. So that's those are that's the power rank going through all the games is just a, a recap of what our friend, our hero, has done for us uh, over over the course of the season. And and yeah, so I just wanted to take a look at that everything our good friend and our good hero has done for us before playing in the Super Bowl and all these different games and just take a look, you know, what was what was the worst game that he played and what was the best game? I mean, if your worst game is 28 for 40, 282 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, and a 69 rating and a 25-point loss, I mean, that it's not good, but I mean, it's not terrible either. If, if, if it goes up from there, that kind of speaks to, to how you played this season, which is why I really, I really liked doing this. This was fun to go back and look at what he's done all season and, and just give myself more to root for honestly because he can't he can't lose to Stafford. So with the power ranking out of the way, 
The next thing I want to do is kind of another power ranking, but not really a power ranking. There was this article that I was looking at about uh, Super Bowl foods, and I'm kind of a like a foodie. I like exploring new restaurants in different places and seeing what they have. And I like one of my favorite things about the Super Bowl is obviously the food and you know camaraderie, food, friends, hanging out and watching football. But you know everyone likes to bring a specific dish to a football party. Everyone likes to do a certain thing whenever they gather for the Super Bowl. So there's this article that I was looking at, and it was, you know, the 10 best Super Bowl foods. And so I just wanted to, to run through this really fast and um, just kind of see if I, like, agree, disagree, and just kind of kind of go with, go with that. On the, on the list, number 10 is uh, jalapeno poppers. I'm, I don't like jalapeno poppers. I, it's just, I, I don't like peppers that much. So if it's, you know, if there's a jalapeno popper, I probably literally just won't grab it. There's nothing against jalapeno poppers for people that like them. It's just like, I, I, I don't, they're not, they're not my thing. I'm fine with spicy. I just don't like jalapeno poppers. Number nine was sub sandwiches. Now this is interesting because when I think Super Bowl party, I don't necessarily think sub sandwich. But now that I think about it, I would be like, hey, if someone brought a bunch of subs to a Super Bowl party, like I could really go for a nice meatball marinara. Like just thinking about it, I'm like, wow, meatball marinara sounds kind of nice right now. So honestly, when I when I saw it at number nine, I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure what I think about this. But the more the more that I thought about it and the more I think, oh, you know what? A sub would be kind of like you get a sub platter. A bunch of people can just grab their sandwich, put it on their plate, need it, you know, meatball marinara, turkey, well, you know, whatever. It just uh, I thought I thought about that. And I was like, you know what? I can I can roll with that at number nine. Number eight was potato skins. And I feel like potato skins are like such an old an old person dish. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I feel like I see when I, when I, if there are potato skins, I feel like I only see people over forty grabbing potato skins or over thirty. Like I don't, I don't like potato skins. I don't know why you would like take the skin of the potato and just be like, mmm, I want to eat this or just like the main main part of the skin. Like I've tried potato skins and I've had try people you know make it different ways. It's just. I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of potato skins. The potato skins are the one like jalapeno poppers. I just don't like jalapeno poppers. Like I just don't like to have just a whole pepper as the entire thing. I want, you know, I like with the cheese or whatever you put with it. But I, it's just when, when I think of potato skins, I just kind of, my hair kind of stands up a little bit. I just don't, I just don't like potato skins at all. I'd rather have cheesy potatoes or something like that. Number seven is nachos. Now, in my opinion, this is too low. Nachos are a top three for me. I am a nacho fiend. I'm a nacho fanatic. I love making different types of nachos for different types of games. Nachos are almost my go-to for probably every game ever. Every big game that I have ever watched, I have had nachos along with other things. But every big basketball game, every big football in my football game in my memory, if I'm making something it's nachos and whatever else people want to make. I am I am nacho man. Nachos with chicken, nachos with beef, just different types seafood nachos. There's I love nachos. Different types of cheese combinations, different types of taco seasonings, Mexican seasonings, whatever, spicy, not spicy, medium spicy. I everything 
nachos are so customizable, which is why I love making nachos, making different types of nachos for different types of sporting events. Number six is a, di- a dish I admittedly have not had in a very long time. Pigs in a blanket. Obviously, if, if this was me, I would put that a little bit lower. But if you make a really good pig in a blanket, if it's if the if the croissant around it is nice and it's fluffy and it's it's not like you know it's not overdone, it's not underdone. If you can get the croissant perfectly and the meat inside of the the croissant very well done cooked perfectly a really good pig in a blanket can be a top five dish anywhere for anything not just the super bowl but if you mess up one little thing with a pig in a blanket it just it just becomes yeah becomes bland it's like eh. but if you can get a really good pig like if you can get a really nice handmade croissant and some like a unique meat to put into it like an authentic like a Polish meat or, you know, it's something like that. I feel like a pig in a blanket could easily be top five. It's just not something I've had in a while. And it's also something that I feel like it's not, it's easy to make a good pig in a blanket, but it's not easy to make a great pig in a blanket. So a good pig in a blanket for me would just be kind of a middle of the road. Yeah, these are kind of nice. I ha- I'll have a couple of them, but if you get a really great one, which is not easy to find, they can easily be a top five dish. Now, speaking of top five, into the top five is going to be pulled pork. Now, I just don't, here's my thing. I like pulled pork, but I don't really associate it with a football party. Now, if someone wants to bring pulled pork to the football watch party, sure, go for it. Bring your pulled pork. I have, I have no beef with that. It's just when I think of pulled pork, I think of, you know, outdoor barbecue, 4th of July. Like when I think of pulled pork, I don't really think of football season. But hey, if you like pulled pork, with your football game. I've got I've got no beef with that. I'm just I'm looking at these as a Super Bowl food. So when I think of a Super Bowl food, pulled pork honestly doesn't even doesn't even really come to mind for me. I wouldn't be opposed to someone brought pulled pork. I like pulled pork. I have no beef with pulled pork. But but you know like the whole pulled pork brisket type thing is just like that's just not something I really associate with the with the Super Bowl. That's something I associate with like being out on in the woods or like out on the beach or something on a summer day in the Midwest, putting it on on the grill or in the smoker. Like that, I don't really associate pulled pork with football season. Number four would be chicken sandwiches or slider chicken sandwiches. And number three, hamburgers and hamburger sliders. Now these to me are are the same thing. Like if someone, if if I'm hosting a Super Bowl party like this, I I make hamburgers and chicken because, you know, some people like hamburgers, some people like chicken more. Everyone has their preference. So these for me are, are pretty much interchangeable and the same thing. It would be it would be like a tie. And both of these are obviously, and especially the sliders, these are these are top tier. You get a good hamburger, you get a good chicken sandwich, they're easy to make. You you put cheese on them, you put whatever condiments you want on them. They're easy to make, they're quick to make, they're a great dish. You can season them the right way, season them however you want to. They they you make you can make a ton of them. With not a ton of meat, and they can make they make everyone happy. There, you walk up, you grab them with your finger. You don't even need a plate. You eat it in three bites. Yo, you grab another one. It's just simple, simple eating for the Super Bowl. Number two, pizza. Now this is one where I would probably put below the hamburgers and the chicken sliders. But I love if you if you go and hand make. I'm not talking call out and just order a pizza. I'm saying if you get together as a family and you make a massive handmade pizza for the Super Bowl and you do it all yourself 
and then you make you know two or three of them for the family, that could be a really good thing. I'm not saying call up Little Caesars and grab your pizza from Little Caesars. I'm saying make a pizza yourself, have a have a massive pizza in your oven, do whatever. That would be a great Super Bowl idea. And and I do associate pizza with the Super Bowl, but I don't necessarily associate the handmade pizza with the Super Bowl. I think if you went and you made a handmade pizza with your family before the Super Bowl, and you created that as like a tradition, that's very interesting to me. Now, someone calls and orders a pizza and brings the house to the Super Bowl, I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess it's a Super Bowl food, but well, why did you bring that when we have hamburgers, when we've got nachos, when we've got all this other stuff? So, I mean, pizza could easily just find itself kind of lost for the Super Bowl. Is it a staple? Yes. But I just, when I think of pizza for the Super Bowl, I think of the Super Bowl as this big event. And I don't want to order just an everyday pizza for a big event. I want to make my own. I want to make it special. So would pizza be great for the Super Bowl? Yes. But I would want to do it myself. I would want to make my own special pizza for the Super Bowl. And the, and the number one is is buffalo wings. I mean, how can you go wrong with the buffalo wings? Seriously, one, they're easy. Two, they taste good. Three, like it's it's kind of like the sliders. You go, you grab one, you eat one. You go grab another one, you eat another one, and next thing you know, boom, you've had 20 wings and you don't know it. Buffalo wings, they're so great. They're so easy. You can get them from a bunch of different places now, except for the wing shortage, because apparently there's a wing shortage nowadays. But, I mean, buffalo wings are, how can you not have a Super Bowl party without buffalo wild wings? Pretty much all of these things below buffalo wings, you can imagine a Super Bowl party without. Like, if, so, if I'm at a Super Bowl party and there's no pizza, oh, well. If you're at a Super Bowl party, there's no hamburger sliders or chicken sandwich sliders. Eh, okay, I would kind of expect those to be there, at least the hamburgers. But you know what? I get it. If you go to the Super Bowl and there's no pulled pork, okay. If you go to the Super Bowl and there's no pig in a blanket, sure, fine. If I went to the Super Bowl and there's no nachos, I would have a problem. But most other people would be like, eh, no nachos at the Super Bowl. That's okay. No potato skins? Eh, doesn't matter to me. No sub sandwiches? Eh, that's okay. No jalapeno poppers? Eh, but if you went to a Super Bowl party with all of these things, all of the previous nine things, but no buffalo wild, but no buffalo wings, there would be uproar. There would be there would be mutiny with the Super Bowl party because buffalo wings are at every football party ever, including the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the biggest football spectacle, so buffalo wings have to be present. Any wings have to be present, really, right? If if it was a different flavor of wing that wasn't buffalo, at least there's wings. Wings need to be there, traditional or boneless, whatever, bone-in, boneless, doesn't matter to me. If the wings are there, it can officially be a party. It's not a Super Bowl party without buffalo wings, without just wings in general. So that's that was my that's the Super Bowl. That's the Super Bowl roundup in terms of the Joey Schmoney power ranking, the Super Bowl food power rank reaction. Uh, also, an honorable mention that I would like to put in for, for the Super Bowl thing would be cookies and cheese. Like a cheese and cracker platter and then cookies. I like cookies and I like cheese and cracker platters because you can get a bunch of different crackers, a bunch of different cheeses, make a bunch of different combinations. It's something to get you through until the main dish and the main entree is ready. And I really appreciate that about cheese and crackers and cookies. You can do a lot of different things with those, especially with the cheese and crackers. But the last, the last thing is gonna be is gonna be LA. It's gonna be Matthew Stafford, and and I'm gonna make this fast because there's not there's not a lot I want to say about this because I'm done with Stafford. I'm done with all of it. This to cut it's all it's all on the line now. It's Schmoney versus Stafford. 
It's always it's going to be like that until the Super Bowl. And as soon as the Super Bowl happens, it's not going to be, I'm not going to be, I'm going to look at Ramsey versus Chase. I'm going to look at you know, all these other matchups. But the one that's going to be my laser focus is going to be Schmoney versus Stafford. And can Schmoney beat him? And I, and I don't want, obviously, I don't want Stafford to win. I can't have Stafford win. I'll lose my mind if Stafford wins. But do I think Schmoney can do it? Yes, I do think Schmoney can do it. Not just because I need him to do it, but because I really think there hasn't been a more clutch quarterback in the playoffs this season than Schmoney. It's been, it's been Schmoney making the plays at the end of the game. Did Stafford have that nice throw at the end of the game? Against the Buccaneers, yes. But when it comes down to it, Schmoney has been the more poised and the more consistent quarterback this this playoffs. Matthew Stafford did not look good. He did not look good against San Francisco. Did they win the game? Yes. But unfortunately, he threw two. He he threw one pick, and he should have thrown two if Jaquiski Tart would have dropped it. But I mean, I mean Cincinnati plus one seventy on the money line, really four and a half point underdogs. In a game where there won't be ticketing limits on road fans, that that place is probably going to be sixty percent Cincinnati fans. I mean, seriously, that that that's not meant to be hyperbolic. I seriously think there are going to be a lot more Bengal fans there than Ram fans. I think Cincinnati is going to have home field advantage for this game, and that would at least give them enough to cover the four and a half, along with Joey Schmoney being present and Stafford. I think Stafford's going to have another blunder. I I really do. And, and my my biggest issue is is obviously the Cincinnati offensive line against the L.A. Rams front seven. The Rams front seven is unbelievable on defense. All the talent, all the players: Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Joseph Day, all these all these people that are over that are over in the Rams front seven. You've got Ramsey clamping on Jamar Chase, but I think if if Schmoney, if you know if Ramsey clamps Chase, I think Schmoney can find the advantage with his other receivers against the other people in coverage. For LA, if they can get quick plays, if they can get the ball to Tyler Boyd fast, if they can get the ball out to uh, Tyler or uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm completely blanking. Oh my goodness, the other guy, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. But but you but you get you have Tyler Boyd on as another receiver for Cincinnati, and Jamar Chase will make some plays. If you can mix if you can mix up your offense, get Jamar in motion, get Tyler Boyd involved. And get uh oh my gosh number, holy crap! I can't believe this is actually happening right now. This is unbelievable. T Higgins, oh my gosh! I cannot believe I <laughs> and C J Uzama as well, right? So C J Uzama, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Joe Schmoney, right? So say say Ramsey clamps down on Chase and Chase doesn't have a huge game. That's okay. They can go to Joe Mixon get Joe Mixon involved. T. Higgins, C.J. Uzama, and Tyler Boyd, I think, all have the advantage against the the players that they would be matched up against uh, on L.A. on the defensive side of the ball. So that that's just kind of what I think about at least the offense, Cincinnati offense versus the Rams defense. And the the Cincinnati defense has played well this postseason. I mean, truly, they have. They held Kansas City. They made the plays they needed to make against Kansas City and against Mahomes. They held Tennessee to 16. Vegas, yes, did they let it up against Vegas a little bit? Yes. But in the end, they needed to make the stop. The defense needed to make the stop for Cincinnati to win the game against Vegas, and they did. So I have I have a lot of faith in this Cincinnati defense. And could Stafford throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah, he could very well do that. Is Cooper Cup, Are Cooper Cup, 
Odell Beckham and uh, Tyler Higby all having great postseason. Yes. Are they going to be hard to stop? Yes. But in the end, I really think that Cincinnati Cincinnati could have the upper hand in this game. I really think that they could win. And I, and part of it is is hope. It's just blind hope and saying that I need Cincinnati to win. Therefore, they are going to win. But I also think that that Joe Schmoney has, I think, truly, in my mind, this isn't because any bias or whatever with Stafford. This isn't because I want Stafford to lose. I have more trust in Cincinnati's quarterback than LA's quarterback right now based on what's happened in the postseason. And, and when, when it's this even of a game, when I think it could go either way, I trust a team whose quarterback I trust more. And with this case in me, it's Cincinnati. It's Schmoney. I trust Joe Schmoney more. So that's why that's why I picked Cincinnati to at least cover the four and a half. And I, I picked Cincinnati to win the game. I'd, give, I'd go Cincinnati plus 170 on the money line. Seriously, I trust the quarterback more. I think Cincinnati's going to have home field advantage. And I think I like Cincinnati's weapons on offense compared to what L.A. presents on defense behind the front seven as opposed to what L.A. brings to offense and what Cincinnati brings to defense. So I, I just I like Cincinnati in this game. I, uh, do I want Cincinnati to win? Yes, but I'm also I'm also realistic. If I wanted Cincinnati to win, but I thought LA could win the game, I I, I would pick LA. LA would be my pick because I don't want to be you know, oh I pick Cincinnati because I need them to win. I, I truly, despite the fact that I need Cincinnati to win this game, I I think they can. I think they match up okay against LA. I don't think this is going to be some weird like 28-10 game. That some people think it's going to be. I think Cincinnati is going to hang really close with them. And I think Schmoney, I think Schmoney's going to get it done. Schmoney's a lot more poised. I, I just trust him more than Stafford. And when, when a game is this close, when a game can go either way, like I said, I trust the quarterback that I pick more, which is why I go, I go with Joe. I go with Joe this game. So that's it. That's the end. Schmoney, 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 Schmoney. Joe Schmoney's got to win it. I pick Schmoney. I like him over Stafford. I like the Bengals to win the game. And and we're just going to see how it plays out. And I hope I don't look like a fool and come back, you know, with my tail between my legs next week. And hopefully that, hopefully Detroit can at least not be under heavy fire. Detroit will just be under fire, but not heavy fire. Detroit, hopefully Detroit will not be in flames the next time I get on this show. Because if the LA wins... Detroit will be in flames. Detroit will, it will be buried. And right now we're just, we're in the quicksand, but there's still a chance that we can get rescued. But if LA wins, we're under, we're under the quicksand. There's no chance of getting out. So that, that's it. That's it for today. I, again, I do appreciate, I really, I really appreciate the support. Actually, I'm getting more, more very nice people saying, you know, you're doing a good job with this. So actually, I, I appreciate it a lot. I just, I just sit here and I, have fun. I talk about what I want to talk about and I, it kind of gives me a break from school. And so, I mean, I, I appreciate all of it really. And if, if there's anything that you want to see me do with this, let me know because I'm obviously, I'm very open to anything ideas that people want me to do, switch it up, maybe add a little bit more flavor, more spice to the show. But I mean, this, this has been super cool so far and I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to do this. And you know, this is the reason I do this moments like the Super Bowl. I mean, this is this is the best sports game in ever all year. The Super Bowl is the highlight all year, other than maybe a Game Seven of the World Series. But I thank you all. I appreciate it a lot. And if there's anything 
any ideas that you might have that you might want me to do and take a look at and see see what I can do with this. If you if you if there's something in your head like, bro, this guy's an idiot. Do this with your show. It's gonna turn it from bad to good. Let me know. I'll I'll take anything into consideration because I wanna as long as I'm having fun with this, I wanna keep I wanna keep growing it and keep evolving it and keep changing it and keep getting more cursed audio to put in as as my as my intros and as my outros. So I mean the first thing I thought of when doing this intro I was like, man, how I feel about Joe Burrow right now is is what if Joe Burrow beats LA, I could just imagine him showing up to Detroit and just being like what what, what Loki did in Ragnarok right there. Be like, your savior is here and it's like, yeah, that's kinda how I feel about Joe Burrow if he beats if he beats LA. So I mean that's I I hope he does it. I really do. And I think he can, truly emotionally and football wise analysis wise i think i think they can do it so that's you know that's gonna be it and hopefully i come to you guys next week with god the cincinnati bengals as super bowl as super bowl champions which should be which should be nice oh yeah loss and ice arena still sucks la belongs to joe burrow Tatooine belongs to the syndicate what you tell this kid right Looks like a national champion. They're definitely real. I think I make too much money to have fake ones, so these are real. (laughs) 